This morning, I, I, I want to continue what we talked about last week. Last week, we talked about one of the essentials of church. In fact, one of the core essentials of church. Before we talk about anything else, it is so imperative that we talk about the power and the value and the necessity of the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, there is no church. Without the Holy Spirit, there is just an empty shell. The Bible says that we are the temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells in us. You know, a lot of times we quote that my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And that's true. In 1 Corinthians, later on in the, in the book, in that letter, he says your physical body is a dwelling place for the Holy Spirit. So you should, you should treat it as such. But before that, chapters before that, way at the beginning of the letter, first three chapters of the letter, he begins to address the division in the church and he says this shouldn't be. That's not what a mature church looks like. That's what babies act like. But he says, don't you know that you, plural, you guys, you all are the temple of the Holy Spirit and that the Spirit of God dwells in you. And so he says, and the temple of God is holy. The reason that God, that the church, this gathering of believers, the reason that it's holy is not because we, we act a certain way. It's not because uh, we have a certain viewpoint. It's not, not even because of our belief system. Certainly all those are good and important, but the number one reason that the temple of God is holy is that the spirit of God dwells in us. We make up a dwelling place, a home for the Holy Spirit. He has chosen, God has chosen to send the Spirit to dwell amongst His people, in His people. And so that's an exciting thing. And I want you to know that that is why we are a church. That's why we are who we are. You know, um, as we talk about the essential um, nature of the Spirit, the, the, the fact that we can't live without the Holy Spirit, I'm also aware that I've gone through seasons of my life where I've forgotten how I can do nothing without Jesus. I can do nothing without the Spirit of God. I can do nothing without my Father. There is nothing I can do without Him that will have any value. I can attempt, I can try my best, but the things that God's called us to are not something that are, uh, they're, they're things that are not possible without Him. I want you to consider that church does not work without the Spirit of God. You can create a shell that seems to have a form of a structure. You can, you can, you can have a, a system with lots of programs that sort of seem to work. But the moment a storm comes or the moment uh, there's a move uh, that God is moving his people forward, the system without the spirit of God will be exposed for the empty shell it is. But when a church has the spirit of God, then even the, the system is, is movable, it's flexible, it's, it's, it's mobile, it's ready to go because the people of God were never meant to be static. They were never meant to stand still. They were meant to move forward with God. That's not to say we don't have a foundation to stand on. You know, the Bible says that we should keep pressing forward, but not lose the things we've retained, uh, not, to, not to let go of the things we've gained. You know, even when Paul said, let's press forward to the things ahead, forgetting the things that lie behind, he also goes on to say, but we should retain the standard that we've attained. We, we shouldn't lose the, the foundations that have been laid. See, we're part of a giant story that God's been telling throughout history. We are part of a race, a relay race that's been run since the patriarchs. It's been thousands of years of people running this race 
And here we are holding our end of that race, grabbing the baton. We are not our own story. We're part of his great story. And the Holy Spirit is is the one moving through all of that, moving on the people of God, moving them forward. So the church is always meant to move forward. That doesn't mean that we lose who we are. It means that who we are is meant to go forward. That is who we are. So how do we do that? How do we do that and know it's God? How do we do that and be confident that uh, what worked here, uh, that, that the, the same spirit that worked in the church here is the same spirit that's going to work in the church there? You know, when uh, uh, in March, when, when services changed and what gathering looks like changed and, and our connection points changed, we were uh, instantly made aware of, of the strengths and weaknesses of what we'd put together. You know, you're instantly aware of what's working and what's not. And, and what I've noticed is, is that the, the connections, the divine connections of the Spirit, the people that had made up their mind to be connected before all of this knew how to be connected or were determined to be connected in the middle of this. But it is the Spirit of God that taught us and is teaching us. And in the next season, we've said this so many times, the next season is not going to be a season of going back to the way it was. It is a season of moving forward and saying, God, what do you have for us next? I want to remind you at the beginning of the year, at New Year's, the word that the Lord put on our hearts as a church was that this was a year that we were going to build and to plant. But he brought us to Jeremiah 1, where God said to Jeremiah, that, he, that God would give him those words from God that would pluck up, tear down, throw down, throw, overthrow and destroy and then build and plant. And the Lord said to us, there's going to be some things taken. There's going to be some room made. There's going to be some things plucked down so that there'll be room to build and to plant. Well, we had no idea that this was coming. And I'm not saying God sent the virus. I know that that's not the case. But I also believe that God saw this and was preparing his church. It's crazy to think about. But last year, you know, we ha- I've had so many people say, you know, I wish people would teach us about the book of Revelation, about the end times. And, and, and I have to remind them that last year, the Holy Spirit had us go there. We spent, uh, we spent months and months and months going through the book of Revelation. We spent months and months and months talking about what the church is called to do in the last days. That we actually talked about it. The Spirit was preparing us. You know, it wasn't that long ago. It was only a few months ago that the Spirit began to talk to us. God began to lead us into a study about the church and and, and what the church was. All of this was preparing us for this season and preparing us for the next. See, that's what the Holy Spirit does. He informs, He empowers, He strengthens, He moves, He speaks. He is our connection. I want to read you uh, from the original day of Pentecost in the book of Acts. And I want to start in chapter 1. Before we go to chapter 2 where all the fun stuff happens, watch in chapter 1. They had just, uh, Jesus had ascended at the Mount of Olives and then told them to go back to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Spirit. He told them to go into all the world and preach the gospel. But he said, before you do that, wait for the Spirit. You see, the church has a mandate to go. The church does not have a mandate to stay. A church has a mandate to go. But the mandate to go is conditional. The mandate to go starts with the Spirit. 
So before we go, we have to know where we're going, why we're going, what are we supposed to do when we get there? What are we supposed to do on the way? It's the Holy Spirit that shows you how to go. You can't go without the Holy Spirit. Jesus said in Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You will be my witnesses here in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. But he said, uh, before you go, before you're going to the ends of the earth, before you go into the rest of Judea and Samaria, wait for the promise of the Spirit. In fact, in the book of Luke, he says, wait until you are clothed with power from on high. Consider that, clothed with power, like there's not a part of you that's not covered with the power of God. Jesus sent his church clothed with power. Jesus sent his church clothed with mission. Jesus sent his church with a helper that that was going to lead and guide them to where they needed to go. He says in Acts chapter one, these all with one mind were continually devoting themselves to prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. At this time, Peter stood up in the midst of the brethren. A gathering of about 120 persons was there together. So they gathered together. They got together and they devoted themselves to prayer. They devoted themselves to prayer. I believe we're meant to be a spirit-filled church. See, here's here's why. And and this is the the whole point of today's message. The whole point of today's message is this. A spirit-filled church knows what to say. A spirit-filled church knows where to go. A spirit-filled church knows what to do when they get there. A spirit-filled church knows who they're going to reach. A spirit-filled church knows why they're doing what they're doing. The Spirit of God is the informer. The Spirit of God is the one that is giving us our instruction, our mission. The Spirit of God is the one that's empowering us to do it. So we don't have anything to say until the Spirit says it. We don't have anywhere to go until the Spirit sends us. We don't have anyone to reach until the Spirit sends us to them. We don't have, we don't know what to do until the spirit shows us. It is the Holy Spirit that is meant to bring us to our next season. So here's the deal. How do you stay full of the spirit? I mean, how do we know where the spirit is taking us? You know, you may say, I go to a spirit filled church. Why are we a spirit filled church? Are we a spirit filled church because it's in our doctrine? It's in our statement of faith. Are we a spirit filled church because Uh, of the type of church that we call ourselves? Is it because of the organization we belong to? Is that what makes us a spirit-filled church? Or are we a spirit-filled church because we determine to stay full of the spirit? Being a spirit-filled church is, is not just about doctrine. Doctrine's important. But, you know, Jesus actually said to the crowds, the Pharisees have good doctrine, just don't do what they, just don't do what they do. He said, he said, you should probably listen to what they say. They understand the scriptures well, but don't do what they do. Doctrine without the Spirit is dead. Doctrine without the Spirit is dead. The Spirit without good doctrine is foolishness because the Holy Spirit will not lead you away from the truth of His Word. So the Word and the Spirit, they work together. We want to be a church full of the Word and a church full of the Spirit. So here's what they did. They continually devoted themselves to prayer. With one mind, they were devoting themselves to prayer. I don't believe you can be a spirit-filled church without being a praying church. And I don't believe a praying church means you have a handful of people that meet once a week. I believe a praying church means it's a church that devotes themselves to prayer regularly. 
That doesn't mean it always has to be a church prayer meeting, but we have to be a praying people. You know, there, there's a word that, that we don't talk about as much, but it's in the Bible. Jesus talked about it. It's a phrase that the previous generation used a lot. And it is the word, the phrase, prayer closet. Anybody ever heard of it? You know, your parents would tell you, your grandparents would say, you got to get into your prayer closet. We don't talk about that anymore as much, but we should because Jesus said, when you go to your prayer closet, and he's talking about that special place that you go to pray. And he says, it's that when you're going to that place, it's not about who sees you. It's not about who knows you're praying. You are going there to see, to talk to your father. He says, and the father who sees in secret will reward you. There is a reward for praying. There is a reward for praying and it's not the reward the world is looking for. It's something much richer. It comes from an intimacy with him. And so here's the deal. If we want to be a church or a people that's full of the spirit, we got to get back and, and go to the tap and turn it on. You got to be, if you want to be filled with the spirit, go to the source and, and ask to be filled. Here, here's what happened. It says, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together. This is Acts chapter 2, verse 1. They were all together in one place. So, so being together is important. Now, you might say, well, that's kind of ironic, considering we're all in our homes watching this online. Yeah, we are. And, and I believe there's a power in physically being together. But I also believe that we are together right now. You have assembled right now. We are of one heart. Right now, we are hearing the message together. Right now, we are communicating together. There is a unity of the spirit that's important. Don't discount this because you're waiting for the other. If you, if you are just waiting for the next thing, you will miss what God is doing right now. So we are together. Now, I, I want to be together physically as well, but this is important. Are we together right now? They were together in one place, and it says this, and suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind. It doesn't say it was a rushing wind. It says it was a noise that sounded like a, a violent rushing wind, a hurricane sound, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire, distributing themselves, and they rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. They did not say anything until the Spirit filled them. When the Spirit filled them, their mouths were open. But I want you to see something. They were all filled. Everybody got full. And then it also says this. They heard the sound from heaven. And there was a sound from heaven. And they were filled. And they began to speak. And it says, Now there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred... The crowd came together and were bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Why are not all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that we each hear them in our own language to which we were born? The disciples were not, 120 people were not speaking 120 different languages. I, I know that sometimes we read that and that's what we think, that one was speaking a Parthian language, the other was speaking Greek, and one was speaking an Egyptian dialect. No, they were all speaking a heavenly language because the Bible says that, that everybody was comparing notes and saying, how is it that each of us hears them? Each of us hears them speak our language. See, the miracle was not, the, the, the translation didn't happen in the speaking. The translation happened in the hearing. But what's the sound that the city of Jerusalem heard that gathered the people to, to hear the gospel? 
Because that's what happened. What did they hear? They heard them praising God. And so what is the sound that the city heard? The city didn't hear the rushing wind because it said that the sound they were talking about was the sound of the disciples praying, the disciples speaking. That that was what they were hearing. And so we said this in our our Thursday devotional, uh, but I'll say it again. The, The church was gathered. The church was isolated. The church was in the upper room and they heard the sound of heaven, but it was the sound that came from the church that gathered the city. See, we have nothing to say to our city until we first hear the sound of heaven. But we also can't hear the sound of heaven. We can't hear the sound of heaven and not let out, not not begin to speak to the city. We are meant to hear from God and then speak. The Spirit of God gives the church something to say. We have something to say because of the Holy Spirit. We hear and we speak. We have somewhere to go because the Holy Spirit. You remember it says after they were scattered, after they were scattered because of persecution, each one of them went their own way, scattered, preaching the word. Because they were full of the Spirit, their instinct was to preach the word of God. They knew what to do. They didn't know where they were going. They didn't know what was going to happen, but they knew this. My mission is to preach the gospel. We know what to say because of the Holy Spirit. We know where to go because of the Holy Spirit. We know what to do because of the Holy Spirit. If you are confused about what we're supposed to do right now, if you are struggling with the mission of the church right now, and and I don't mean the mission of the word church, I mean the mission, like your mission as part of the church. If you are struggling to find, what am I supposed to be doing right now? And and so, and maybe in your head you've said, well, when things get back to normal, then I'll know because I knew what to do back then. So then if everything goes back to the way it was, I'll know what to do. I don't know. The Holy Spirit's got a mission for you right now. Have you heard it? You see, the church had to get alone with God. The church had to listen. The church had to devote themselves to prayer so that they could hear from heaven. So then they had something to say to the city. And what they had to say to the city did not come from them. They didn't even speak a language they understood. What they said to the city came from directly from the Spirit of God. The world needs to hear what the church has to say. But the church has nothing to say if they can't hear from God. The church has nowhere to go if they can't be sent by God. I'll tell you a few stories from the Bible. And, and they're, they're stories that encourage me and excite me. You know, um, um, Barnabas, uh, the church in Antioch began. I, I told you about this a couple weeks ago. The church in Antioch began with a group of people that, that uh, decided, you know, everybody else when they were scattered would just talk to fellow Jews about, about Jesus being the Messiah. But the church that went to Antioch actually began to speak to non-Jewish people, to Greek people. And, and the Bible says the hand of the Lord was with them and the, that church took off and they were seeing you know, people get saved. They were seeing signs and wonders. It was awesome. And so the church in Jerusalem, the apostles sent Barnabas, sent him down to go check these guys out and go help them if he could. In Acts chapter 11, it says this, uh, when Barnabas went, this is what he found. It says, And the hand of the Lord was with him, and a nar- large number of those believed turned to the Lord. In Acts eleven twenty two, the news about them reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas off to Antioch. Then when he arrived and witnessed the grace of God, he rejoiced and began to encourage them all with resolute heart to remain true to the Lord. For, and here's why, because he was a good man 
and full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. You know, when it says in my Bible, with resolute heart, it's got a note in the margins that this could also be translated, could accurately be translated as purpose of heart. Barnabas went into a situation that was unfamiliar with him. to him. He'd never seen a church like the church in Antioch. The church in Antioch was a new way of doing what they knew as church. It was a new manifestation of church. It was the same spirit. It was the same form. It was, it was a lot of the same elements that they knew back in Jerusalem, but there were some distinctives. There were some very big differences. The, this wasn't fully made up of, of Hebrew-speaking Jews. This, there were Gentiles in this crowd. There were, there were a group of people um, that, that, you know, Greek-speaking. They, they were of different cultural backgrounds. This church was different. And when Barnabas stepped into a different situation, he knew what to do. He had purpose of heart. How did he have purpose of heart? He had purpose of heart because he was full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. That's how he knew what to do. That's where the purpose of heart came from. We need a group of believers that have a purpose of heart, that have a heart that knows, I mean, I've got a purpose in my heart. I know exactly what we're supposed to do. And that comes from being full of the Holy Spirit. Stephen, the Bible says he was full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And he preached the gospel and, 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 and was con, you know, uh, convincing those who were other Greek-speaking Jews like himself. He was convincing them that Jesus was the Messiah. And he got hauled in front of the authorities for his blasphemy and his heresy. And he, he preached this amazing message to the Sanhedrin, to this, to this religious council. But the Bible says that when they heard it, instead of being softened and repenting, It says they were pricked in the heart and they, they began to gnash their teeth at him and become very angry at him. But then it says, but Philip, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed heavenward and saw Jesus standing at the right hand of God. How did Stephen know how to respond? I mean, when Stephen was hit with the worst hate he'd ever seen, it says, but Stephen, full of the Spirit, looked up at Jesus and saw the glory of God. It says he saw the glory of God. The, the people who are full of the Spirit, a church full of the Holy Spirit, knows where to look. We know where to look because, listen, Stephen was getting hate thrown at him. He was having people gnash their teeth. He was having people hate him, yell at him, uh, and they were preparing to kill him. But because he was full of the Spirit, he didn't see their hate. He saw Jesus. What would it look like if a church was so full of the Spirit that they saw Jesus everywhere? That we didn't, we, we didn't feel, uh, we didn't react to the persecution and the hate. We weren't consumed with, they don't understand us, they don't get us, they're opposed to us. But instead, our eyes were fixed on Jesus and we saw the glory of God. That's the church He wants us to be. We are a church meant to be full of the Spirit. You know, the Bible says in Ephesians, and I'll read this to you, Ephesians chapter 5, it says, and we read this a, a couple weeks ago, so I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I'll start in verse 14. For this reason, it says, Awake, sleeper. Wake up, sleeper. Wake up, sleeping church. Wake up, wake up, people. Today, you can wake up. Wake up, sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Therefore, be careful how you walk. That means how you live your life. Not as unwise men, 
not as unwise people, but as wise people, making the most of your time or redeeming the time, buying back the time you've lost because the days are evil. You guys know that the days are evil. The season we're in, the world we live in is messed up. But he says, here's what you need to do. The days are evil, so make the most of your time. He says, so then don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do you get it? Do you get what we're saying? Without the Spirit of God, we don't know the will of God. And if we don't know the will of God, we are not simply uninformed. We are fools. If we try to do this without God's leading, if we try to do this without being full of the Spirit, we will be fools. We will be a church that's foolish, but God wants us to be a church that's wise, that knows what they're supposed to do in an unknown time. Do you know God's got a plan for you that that you can know and you can walk in? You may not know every, every distinctive element of it two years down the road, but you'll know where you're going and you'll know what you're supposed to do. It's the Spirit of God. Jesus promised that that's what the Holy Spirit would do. He said, don't be foolish, but know what the will of the Lord is. Understand what the will of the Lord is. And don't be drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, or that's wasteful. But be filled with the Spirit. Literally in the Greek it says, but keep being full of this, keep being filled with the Spirit. Keep being filled. Do you know the church that was filled with the Spirit in Acts 2 had to get filled with the Spirit again in Acts 4? And the result of them being filled with the Spirit in Acts 4 is that they began to know how to administrate the needs. They knew how to meet needs. They knew how to run business. They knew how to do. They knew how to, how to give. They knew how to organize. The Spirit of God did that. A lot of times we, we, we limit what the Spirit can do to just an emotion or, or, or an experience in, in church, but in a church service. But what the Spirit can do and what the Spirit will do is, is run everything. You know, when the apostles just knew that they, uh, you know, they were making sure people were getting fed and the widows were being fed and they had a program making sure all the needs were being met and the apostles just had, were being pulled from all these directions. And do you know what they said? They said, we can't do this by ourselves. We can't wait tables on our own. We can't do this administrative stuff. They said, so we need to pick seven people that are full of faith, full of wisdom and the Holy Spirit. And those seven became the ones that administrated the feeding of all those who had need. They administrated the church's feeding program. And, and, and they didn't pick the best businessmen. They didn't pick the, the, the smartest accountants. They picked people that were going to be full of wisdom and full of the Spirit. It is it, it, because what we're doing is a supernatural thing. Now it says this. I'm going to read this again. It says, don't be drunk with wine. Don't be drunk on entertainment. Don't be drunk on, on, on the news. Don't be drunk on social media. Don't be drunk. What does that mean, don't be drunk? I mean, obviously, there's don't be drunk with alcohol, but, but don't be drunk with anything, anything that's getting your mind off your mission, anything that's distracting to you. Don't get drunk on it, but keep being filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. So that's what it looks like to be keep being full of the Spirit. We need each other. There is a connection taking place. Without the Spirit, we don't know what to say. So I want you to answer these questions as we close tonight, to this morning. I want you to think about these questions. What do I have to say right now? 
Have I heard what God has for me to say? Have I spent time in prayer? You see, uh, the first mission trip that ever happened came out of Antioch, that church that we talked about. But it came out of a prayer meeting. It didn't come out of a strategy meeting. It came out of a prayer and fasting, a time of prayer and fasting. Before they would commission anyone into the ministry, they would pray and fast and then lay their hands on them. They didn't do anything of significance without praying and fasting first. Church, are we ready? Are we ready to seek the Lord and say, we we can't survive without being full of the Spirit. Fill us, Lord. Fill us. When the church is full of the Spirit, the church has something to say. When the church is full of the Spirit, the church has somewhere to go. When the church is full of the Spirit, the church knows what to do. When the church is full of the Spirit, the church knows who they're meant to reach. And the Holy Spirit will lead us into unexpected places. And I'm ready for it. I'm excited for it. Today, if you want to be filled with the Spirit of God, can we seek God together and ask that He would fill His church? I'm ready. I want a Spirit-filled church that is, is, is... radically storming into the future because we don't know what's ahead of us but the spirit of god knows in fact jesus said when the holy spirit comes he will show you things that are to come he'll prepare you i look back and just like we said look back over this last year how many things did god do to prepare us for this we didn't know but he knew and the church is going to be prepared for season after season as long as we are staying filled with the spirit of god i want to be part of that today if you have never really experience what it's like to be filled with the Spirit, baptized. The Bible talks about being baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's what happened on the day of Pentecost. They were baptized, which means immersed, fully immersed, fully dunked in the Spirit. And and if you have received God's Spirit when you were born again, His Spirit came to live in you, but you've never felt full of the Spirit. You've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Today is your day. I want to pray for you. And we're all going to pray together. In fact, Christians, believers, you are on assignment right now. Wherever you are, let's pray together. Right now, you're not watching a show. You're not watching TV. This is happening. Right now, there are people who are opening their hearts to receive the Spirit of God. And, and, and believers, if you have received God's Spirit, if you've been baptized in the Spirit, filled with the Spirit, seeing the spiritual gifts flowing in your life, but you have felt empty lately, If you felt empty lately and you want to be filled, let's ask and you will receive. You know, uh, after Paul got saved, the Apostle Paul, the Bible says after he got saved, he began to preach. It says the church in uh, Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria enjoyed peace and they kept being built up, kept being built up full of the fear of God and full of the Spirit. And they were going on in the fear of the Lord and, 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 and they were being filled with the Spirit. They were kept being full of the Spirit. See, that's the, that's the, 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 the Bible um, prescription for success for a church. What's a successful church coming from? A church that goes forward in the fear of the Lord and is full of the Spirit. That's a church that's going to not only survive but thrive. If you want that today, let's pray. See, I, I'm asking that God would do something extraordinary right now, that he would um, uh, transcend distance, that he would turn wherever you are watching right now into a holy place. It's already a holy place because he's there. And as we're listening to the Spirit of God, he's filling that room. And so if you want to be full of the Spirit, if you want to be filled with the Spirit right now and and with signs following, if you want to be filled with the Spirit with the evidence of that, if you want to speak in other tongues, if if you want more of God right now, let's ask. 
If there is a believer with you, if you are gathered with another believer right now, put your hands, lay hands on each other. So I'm serious. If you, if you, you know, the Bible talks about laying hands on each other. If you got another believer in the room, you get them to lay your hands on you. If you're watching with your kids, lay your hands on them. Get their, them to lay your hands on you. Come on. If we're believers, let's pray for each other right now. We're going to believe. If you are by yourself, Stretch your hands out. We're going to pray together. I believe God's going to do this. God is not intimidated by distance. He fills space. He goes beyond space and time. So let's pray right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for my brothers and sisters that we would be full of the Holy Spirit. Let your spirit break down our walls. Let let your spirit overflow the banks of our hearts and begin to flood us again. Renew us, refresh us, revive us in the name of Jesus. You said that the church in Acts, you said that they were uh, going on in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit, the encouragement of the Holy Spirit, the strengthening of the Holy Spirit. So be strengthened in the Holy Spirit right now in Jesus' name. For all of those who are saying, I want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I want to I speak with other tongues. I want to begin to walk in the gifts of the Spirit. I want to experience God in a real way. Lord, you said that if, if, any, if a son would ask for bread, his father would not give him a stone. If he were to ask for fish, his father would not give him a snake. And you said in the same way, if we were to ask for the spirit, you, the father, would not turn us away. You are a better father than we've ever been. So right now we are asking for your spirit to fill us. We are asking for your spirit to baptize us. We are asking for your spirit to to completely uh, 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 push out everything that is taking up space so that we might be filled. Right now, in the name of Jesus, receive the Spirit of God in fullness. Be filled with the Holy Ghost. Be filled with the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Lord, I receive it right now. I receive the fullness of your Spirit. Overflow my banks. Let us hear the sound of heaven so that we have something to say. Let us see the vision of heaven so that we have somewhere to go. Connect us with the people that you, have, you, you are drawing so that we know who to reach. Give us your mission and your purpose of heart so that we know what to do. Lord, we need you. 